This is the Letters in Black and White series of the Dissidents podcast. The following is the third in a series of podcast conversations with interesting people on the topic of race in America. Today's guest is Nancy Williamson, a resident of Virginia. Nancy and Wink are distant cousins who learned of each other on 23andMe. Even those of good intentions can fall prey to caricatures and stereotypes based on race. Welcome to a meeting of cousins across the color line and the dangers of misperceiving others. So, Wink, here we are again. Yes, our, we are. <laughs> our, another recording of us talking to your distant family members. Today we have Nancy with us. And there's a fun story behind Nancy. Uh, and Nancy, we're going to let you tell your own story here too. But here's where we are. Wink and I, and, and people who've been following us know this, but Wink and I met when we were writing about race, but all of our life has been anything but race. You know, we're just trying to like connect as humans. And one of Wink's activities, if you will, is to find how he's connected across difference across color lines and that's been through ancestry and he nancy is a what what nancy is a cousin fifth fifth cousin cousin okay so with that said why don't you give a little more on on you and nancy oh okay well um to start um i let's go back in time a little bit i had an interesting childhood uh nancy you might appreciate this as a native virginian uh, history root runs deep in our family. Uh, I grew up on a street called Twyman Road in Chesterfield County, Virginia. And everyone on Twyman Road was a Twyman. I mean, until I was the age of six or seven, I assumed the entire world was Twymans. The entire world was related to me. And little did I discover that there were other people in the world besides Twymans as I got older. So that was kind of neat. But I always had this sense of um, wanting to know more. Because I could only go back in my Twyman line to the last known uh, slave, which was Scott Twyman. And he was born in 1848, I think, in Madison or Orange County, Virginia. So there was always that brick wall, if you will. And then, um, lo and behold, ancestry came into town and 23andMe and Family Tree and whatever. And uh, I began to do some research because I was always curious in knowing uh where the Twyman name came from. And so one day, on my birthday, actually, in uh, 2016, I got an email from a cousin, a distant cousin, who's also an ancestry wonk or nerd. And he said, Wink, you need to contact this woman. She has Twyman in her tree, and she's DNA related to you. And there are not many Twymans in this country, Nancy. There are only... 4,000 of us in a country of over 350 million. So what are the odds that this random person, and she lived in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, would be related to me? So I reached out to her, and on my birthday, she confirmed that we were indeed fourth cousins, and that opened up my entire family tree. So I went from 1848 to 1661, when George Twyman I left Kent, England and settled in Middlesex County, Virginia. And so that was great to me. It was a great uh, blessing, a sense of completion. And so I continued searching to try to expand my uh, my family tree. And one day, one day on 23andMe, I came across this fifth cousin. 
And I was trying to connect the Walker family to my family, as I recall, to nail down my connection to the Twymans. And I emailed her, and it was September, September 6th, 2017, five years ago. And I said, Dear Ms. Williamson, we are predicted fifth cousins, according to 23andMe. I grew up in Chesterfield County, Virginia, but I now live in San Diego. What a difference. I'm always a very excitable person, that exclamation mark after difference. Question. Are you a descendant of Edward Walker, 1770-1776? Walker was born in Wales, England, and died in Culpeper County, Virginia. Walker is one of my ancestors, so maybe he is our ancestral connection. Warm regards, wait. And that was just a typical message for me, reaching out to, to cousins. And days went by, <laughs> weeks went by, months went by. That's it. I have to confess, I have forgotten all about it. I had just completely forgotten about my email. <laughs> oh, okay. So the year 2018 comes. And goes, and I had forgotten about my email. The year 2019 rolls in, and then on a momentous day, February 7th, 2019, I was just strolling through 23andMe, and lo and behold, what do I see? My cousin Nancy had responded to me. That's poetic, by the way, Bronze. <laughs> and she said, Well, you know what? It appears you messaged me a long time ago. But I haven't been on the site in a while, so I apologize for the delay. <laughs> None of the surnames you mentioned are familiar to me. But I don't know much about my family past. My grandparents, uh, I was born in Roanoke, Virginia. My mom was born in Norfolk, Virginia. She was Dorothy Marie uh, Pogue, is it? Born to Sarah, Sam uh, Pogue and Dora Puke. Thank you, Puke. And Doris Aurelia Peckner. I never knew my grandparents. Evidently, my grandmother had my mom at age 16 and was an alcoholic and didn't take care of her kids. And so my mom grew up in foster homes, unfortunately. And then there were the final three sentences that kind of hooked me, right, as someone who's interested in my common uh, ancestry. She said, so today I learned my fifth great-grandfather was a slave owner who sexed up his property, quote-unquote. That is so damn depressing. Excuse my language. Much luck to you in your search to learn about your ancestry. And I, I love Nancy's spirit here. It comes through. Sorry for that ass of a fifth grade granddaddy owning a human being. Glad his son got the farm. So what came through to me was this cousin has some spunk. She's got some spirit. I like that. But I was also intrigued to know, well, there must be more to this story. I'm intrigued. Uh, and so what began after that was a series of, messages for me trying to 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 ferret more out of this story uh because you'd mentioned in another email after that the next day do you know anything about daniel brown's ancestors or other children and wife where daniel brown is like the founding father of my black side of the family there are a hundred cousins that claim daniel brown as kind of their founding father he acquired i think over 300 acres of land in chesterfield county after the civil war and we hold him in great regard. Some of his descendants still live in, on that property today. So when you said that, I thought, okay, well, I want to know. I want to know if that's the most recent common ancestor and what does she know? And to let her know that, you know, none of us are responsible for the mistakes in the past. 
We're not our ancestors. I'm not George Twyman III who owned 48 slaves in Albemarle County, and you're not your ancestor who's a shady, <laughs> shall we say. And so I, I wanted to uh, connect and make that clear. And so I wrote an email, an email, and an email, and nothing. Silence. Silence throughout the land. And so now I want to talk to Jen, because about this time, Jen and I started writing about connections and across the, the color line. And you were on my mind, Nancy, because <laughs> I have always been a very, as you can tell, a very gregarious, happy, joyful person. Uh, I was a dynamo student politician in grade school because I was so pleasant. I was so outgoing, likable, whatever. Wink, the name Wink is my brand, right? So um, I was just wondering what happened with my cousin Nancy? She was so provocative and intriguing and then nothing. And so that old song, Just My Imagination, by Babyface and Gwyneth Paltrow, that kicked into play. So so take it from there, Jennifer. What 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 happened as we were beginning to write our book and thinking about distant cousins of different races? How did Nancy come into the picture? <clears throat> Yeah, and so Nancy, you, you you don't know this. This is all probably new to she you. Know, right, right, right. She's oblivious <laughs> in Virginia. Yeah. You're in you're in the background of this writing, but you know what? what you know, it's, it's funny because Wink assumed, and I think this is what we're we're going to get to with you. Wink exactly. assumed right. that that because of you knew of this your slave owner past that you were embarrassed to actually speak to Wink and that you didn't want to, and it's not, you acknowledge, you know, you did acknowledge it, but like that was what cut the conversation short. Like I acknowledge that my family were slave owners and therefore that's why we've, we've got this ancestry across the color line. And there was this shame and embarrassment. And so Wink interpreted your silence as someone who was reticent to talk about these difficult issues. And so our, a lot of our own discussion was how do we have these conversations across our color line? I mean, my family, by the way, were slave owners, but here's the interesting thing, Nancy. So we're Wink's family. Yeah. Even his, even his black family, not yes. just white family, we're slave owners. And so that's kind of where the book got started. And how do we have these conversations that are tough, but we're, we're here in 2022 and we're trying to make a difference. And so this is where you come in, where it's like, oh, this is an example, which we found out today. And, and you'll tell us more that we were wrong in our assumption, but our assumption was so that you wrong. were just like, so I wrong. don't even want to have this. Yeah. I don't want to have this conversation. Like I'm ashamed, you know, like, Blackness is like uh, like the way my family treated Black Americans, and then finally, and Wink, I'm gonna before we let go back to Nancy, I'm gonna go yeah. back to you because you just recently heard back from Nancy, and you're like, oh my god, this like my whole assumption for these past yeah. two years, yeah, yeah, was yeah. completely wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I was telling Jen and someone else, my dentist actually, I this came up when I was talking with my dentist a few weeks ago. I said. I felt three inches tall and overwhelmed when I heard from Nancy. At the same time, three inches tall and overwhelmed because I thought, here, I'm someone who 
as you know, rails against caricatures, rails against stereotypes, believes in treating people as they are individuals. And I fell guilty, right, to all those old echoes and caricatures and stereotypes. And so it was a tremendous, it was, a, it was an emotional feeling for me because I saw that even if someone who has the best of intentions is still colored and influenced at some level by the old preconceptions of viewing people just as avatars for a group. So, for example, when we were writing, I said, and, and Nancy knows, Nancy's giving me a, a, a approval just to write what I said, just to talk about what I said. I said, in, in one part, I said, because ah, we were talking about how can we move beyond this binary thing that you were a descendant of a slave owner, you were a descendant of a slave, and, and therefore you have to kind of live out those past relations in today's world. And so I said at some point, you know, I have uh, a white fifth cousin who did not reply to an email response from me, uh, 23andMe, after in the capital letters, two years! <laughs> after two years, said cousin wrote me a furtive response where she said, one, our ancestor sexed up slaves on his farm, and two, she hoped he burned in hell. And I think I said, okay, great, okay. But, but but what do I make of that? Like, how do I move along with that? How do I grow from that knowledge? I mean, what do I do with that? It's kind of like Nancy gave me half of the picture, but not the other half of the picture, which is moving on from the past. So I felt very, I felt frustrated, as you remember, Jen, at that point. I was kind of like, I've got I've got this part, but not that part of the coming together and reconciliation. And I think you and you, you look at the silence and you made those assumptions. Well, maybe she fears, she fears you're trying to blame her. She's trying to, you're trying to shame her. She probably thinks you have some agenda. She probably thinks you want to put her into a box. She probably, she probably thinks you want to say that she's just kind of a bad person. And, and, and we were all just working. We were all just mixing together a stew of caricatures and stereotypes and wrong assumptions and wrong premises. And we thought we were the cool kids in school, right? Because we were like, you know, seeing how things really were <laughs> in the racial silence. And we could not have been more wrong. And so I felt, I think the spirit moved me to reach out to Nancy. I sent her a very long text message because I knew that if we're going to make the world a better place, these are kind of the mishaps we have to address openly and with joy in our hearts and love in our souls, understand and move ahead. And so um, that's kind of where I was coming from, Jen. I just felt I felt three inches tall, but I also felt the potential to make something good out of out of what we had done. And I just and just tickled. Poor cousin Nancy had no idea <laughs> we were agonizing over this. <laughs> so, so, so now Nancy, I mean, I'd love to hear right from like. So you didn't, you didn't respond to Wink. I mean, you have a life. We all have a life. Yes, I mean, yes, what, like, that's right. You know, and maybe you just didn't see the message, or you're not on Twenty Three and Me. Like, what's your side of the story? Yeah, what's the Nancy side oh. of the story? Yeah. <laughs> well, Wink, 
Seriously, I've been on that site for like, I started, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it, I'm going to say at least 10 mm-hmm. years. I was an early doctor of 23andMe. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's a whole other interesting story I can tell you another time because I was looking for some other siblings. But, um, right. you know, I, I get on that website like about every two weeks and uh-huh. I, I don't have it linked up to my email. So if someone sends me a message on there, I don't get it. And so I right. get on there about every two years just to see if I'm related. Like, do I have some weird brother I don't know? Or like, am I related to a serial killer? Just kidding. But um, <laughs> I, really, I, know, I, know. I only get on there about every two years. And right, so right. I really, Wink was so great. I really loved your message um, that you sent me explaining um, what your preconceptions were or whatever. It was very um, heartfelt. I completely understand how you feel that way. I really do. Um, because you probably just felt ghosted. And the truth of the matter was, like, oh. I just only get on there a few years. And I get on there and there's like always a million messages. But I was um, oh, yeah. pleased and read yours. Uh, you know, and it had nothing. Yeah. I was definitely not ignoring you. And you know that now. I know that. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> It's just amazing to me how there can be a reality, in this case, silence, and two different people. I think that's that's a great lesson because no matter how much we know, no matter how much, I hate to use this word, but how Uh we think we are, we can always still learn until the day we leave this planet. That's true. That is so true. That is so true. Nicely said. Nicely said. All right. So. This is the question, Nancy, I have for you after, I think it's now five years. <laughs> so do you know who, who was the five, who was the great, 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 great granddaddy, uh, the shady character? Hey, no clue. Seriously. Um, okay. I messaged you back on that, on that original message. Yeah. Um, I was just asking you about like info I like you had sent me and other people had sent me um on 23 I mean I know nothing past my grandparents and gotcha that's I, right yeah I like I only knew them in name um mm-hmm. so I know mm-hmm. nothing. I, I've always had a very um curious spirit as well and really would love yes. to know my ancestry but I don't like mm-hmm. even know where they are but okay um, very, um I was very I loved your initial message to mm-hmm. me. That raises a wake-up call for me because I right. was naive enough to think because my family, what I, what I know in my little tiny world view right here is that I grew up really poor. Yes. And my family never my mm-hmm. family never had much of anything and and I was certain there's no way that anyone in my family ever had slaves. How could they own that? We've all been broken. You know, I mean, like, ooh, I Broke. that's very naive of me. And I'm, so I'm really glad that you touched base. Like, I love, like, learning that. It breaks my heart, right. but it is history. And again, sure. I, like, very naive of me to think that. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I learned some stuff, too. So Sure. So yeah. I, I oh think, gosh. um, Jim? Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's interesting, Wink. So in our conversations that we've had so far with Mary yesterday, who wasn't your cousin, but you went to school with, and Nancy yes. today, 
a lot of the people, and, and you can maybe expound on this, a lot of the people that we have been in conversation with, you know, from Virginia have been, like their background has not been, and, and I'm talking only in financial terms, rich. Mm. You know, I mean, th their background has been rich in history, right? But rich. Yes. And yeah. you tell this story, um, Nancy, you don't know this yet, but as part of our book, Wink tells this story about how the Twymans, there's black Twymans and white Twymans. And what's interesting about the Twyman line is the black Twymans are the ones who succeeded. Well, that's it's the true. white Twymans who didn't succeed. He did, he, did, he did message me that, so I did know that. Yeah. My last sentence in that um, first message when I did reply back to him was, I'm like, I'm glad the boy got the farm. Yes. Sure. But it's such an interesting so, so just I, to give I you a quick conversation <laughs> on America today though, is that you know, there is this sense that if you're black, you're poor and you have you, life is only about oppression, you can never succeed. Sure. And Wink's life story is the exact opposite. And of course Wink is just one person. He is just one person, his right. story is his own. Right. But his story is one of black like excellence, in, even while his white family were struggling. Well, let me give like, you a story. Wink, you want to, yeah, yeah, sure. So here's the story, Nancy. Because uh, I, I don't, I wish I knew. I bet I can find out easily because my son did 23andMe. So if he DNA connects to you, then it's going to be through my family. Uh, let me get it straight. If he connects, yeah. And if he doesn't, then you're connected to me through. Then he's. Uh, I'm getting confused. My son took the test, so if you're connected <laughs> to him gen genetically uh, related, then you're be connect. You'll be connected to the Twyman line. Woo, woo, that was a mouthful. Right. right. But yeah, here's yeah, the story. You got it. I, I got confused. But here's the story <laughs> of um, the the Twymans. So in 1661, there was a teenager named George Twyman I. Uh, in 1677, he moved from, he didn't move, he got on a ship called Recovery and sailed from Kent, England to Middlesex County, Virginia, where he became an indentured servant, Nancy. He was actually an indentured servant to a Thomas Lee. And so he was, uh, I don't want to use the word oppressed, but let's say life was not good for the indentured servant, Twyman. And as a matter of fact, he ran away. He ran away in the woods for like a month to get away from Thomas Lee. So the only example of a runaway I know in my family is of a white indentured servant, George Twyman I, which is kind of interesting. But so he, he had a son, George Twyman II, and he had a son, George Twyman III, who did a lot of stuff, uh, had a large farm in Albemarle County. He had uh, 48 slaves. He was a writing buddy of Thomas Jefferson. He was the first head of the church uh, in early school Virginia uh, called the Buck Mountain Episcopal Church today. So anyway, so he had um, descendants and, and they lived in a house. So the entire farm was called Oak Lawn. It was on a thousand acres. And that farm stayed in the family, the white side of the family, from 1750 
1867. What people tend to forget is that when the Civil War ended, there was a lot of economic destruction. There was a lot of devastation throughout Virginia and other southern localities. And so the white Twymans lost the family home at an auction sale uh, for not for taxes that were paid in 1867. But a family friend purchased the home so that the descendants could continue to live in the house in Oak Lawn. But over the years after 1870, like the 1880s, the 1890s, 1900s, 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, times were tough for those people. They didn't have running water. There was no electricity. I don't think they had cars. Uh, it was a tough way to go in that house. Uh, they, they were probably cold and shivering at night at times. Um, now, so that's, so by 1965, they give up the ghost. And the house leaves the white family, Twyman family forever. Now, the black Twymans, Daniel Brown, my grandmother's grandfather, he was a slave. Born, he was born in 1833. He was a slave. He acquired over 500 acres of land in Chesterfield County, Virginia, and Charlotte County, Virginia, after the Civil War. He had 16, 17 children, I believe. And... Of those children, um, 10 remained black, four looked sufficiently Caucasian that they passed for white over time. But his children inherited a portion of his property, his holdings, and his grandchildren inherited a part of that property. And the property remained in the family probably to this day. There's still some descendants who live on that property. So in the 1960s, you have white Twymans who are just destitute. No car, no running water, no electricity, cold at, 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 in the night. And then you have the black Twymans who are living in red brick homes. They have cars. They have indoor running water. They're very well in terms, doing very well in terms of business. In fact, my uncle, Willie Ernest Twyman Sr., was probably the largest black businessman in Chesterfield County in the 1860s. So if you were to look at the white Twymans and the black Twymans and take a snapshot in the 1960s, white Twymans are doing okay in their red brick homes. You got the white Twymans living in a two-century-old wood frame home that has no running water or electricity. So that's an example that we don't really hear about that much, I think, in the public discourse. we I think it's easy to assume you create caricatures, one race's uh, rich, one race is poor, and then that's how we should think about things. That That's not always the case. You have to look at the individual person. Um, right, so another example, uh, and one of the ideas I had about this podcast was, it's so interesting to me. I have two cousins named Nancy. I have my one cousin named Nancy, who I just met today, Nancy Williamson. And I have another cousin named Nancy. Now, my other cousin, named Nancy. She is a black woman who lives in Northern City. And she has, she's been blessed to have a very comfortable existence. Uh, she lives in a fairly nice home. Uh, her kids go to boarding school, private school. Uh, she's very prominent in Jack and Jill. Uh, she is, I think, the granddaughter of a, of a judge, an appellate judge. Uh, the great or great-great-granddaughter of people who were 
very middle class in South Carolina in the 1800s. In fact, for four generations, there were prosperous black uh, ancestors in her line in South Carolina. So it's just, it's interesting to me that to the outside world, they would think, well, if you've got two cousin Nancy's, you know, <sighs> that, 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 that white cousin Nancy probably is living off of trust funds. She goes to Europe every summer. She, uh, shops at Tiffany's. Uh, she's laughing. <laughs> she has a Bentley. <laughs> she has a second home in Sag Harbor or off Martha's Vineyard. And they might think my my white cousin, my black cousin Nancy, is you know struggling and in despair and living from paycheck to paycheck and all the rest. And it's so wrong. It is so wrong because we make assumptions about people just based upon race and skin color. That's not the reality. You could have a wonderful uh, play or movie about the two Nancys that would rock the world of, of people, right? Because they would see how life really is, right? Right? Yeah. Right. Right, and what's funny is I mean, to is, the outside is, world, they would think I'm closer to my black cousin Nancy than my white cousin Nancy. But in fact, I'm not genetically related to my black Nancy. We share blood, Nancy and I, my white cousin. There you go. Yeah. All right, Nancy. Like, yeah. That's. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is the stuff that you know when we were writing. It's just like we tried to write life plainly mm -hmm. and there's so much nuance and complexity around American history and American life. It did, for me, Wink opened up this idea through ancestry of finding oh, yeah. out that we really are all like connected in some way. Right. And, and, and in our book, and I won't give away too much Wink, but we taught Wink and I, one of our biggest disagreements Oh, right, was right. could we see each other as old Americans? Could we see each other as old Americans and um, and see each other? And, and and part of that question came from his quest of finding out who he really was and finding out who I really was. And we're just this cornucopia, if you will, of like different identities. And you're yeah. part of that. And it's so fun to like have you on so what are you i mean what are your thoughts of all like we're we're just kind of throwing this is the first time we've met you nancy and it's in person <laughs> on a call and you're probably like oh my god these people are crazy i don't know what's going on right now oh, no. what are your thoughts <laughs> well first of all let me say again i'm not crying allergies are going crazy i'll hear you <laughs> but yeah i mean i mean yeah that whole thing of like rallying against stereotypes is something yeah. that I have um, really strived to do in my life and like I mean yeah like my family I grew up poor I lived in a homeless shelter for a year when I was 11 like mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. my parents have a, a fifth and a sixth grade education they dropped out of school to take care of their younger siblings like I could go on and on I'm mm -hmm. almost raised in Boston like um mm -hmm. so i mean yeah i guess we all do sort of um i don't know maybe believe in stereotypes maybe it's the media i don't know what it is yeah. but you know yeah. i try to live my life not doing that and also people around yeah. me that um i it's really common to see people 
you know, stereotype people, I guess, based on race or whatever. And I'm sure, like, sure. Don't do that. You have to get to know somebody first. You, you have right. no idea. And if someone looks like they have it all together and they look very sure. polished, you don't know. And and also, you could have sure. someone who, I mean, you could please have that person who quit school in sixth grade and they're like the CEO of a yeah. major company. Um, or now, Nancy, maybe someone graduated some really prestigious school and then sure. do whatever they live on a park bench so you really right. you know, have to find out what now man now nancy i think music is a great way into someone's soul i think music at least for me music is a great way to feel that one with the universe and to relax and to, to be in peace so i'm so so curious because you're a native virginian i think you were born in the 1970s right what are some of your favorite yeah. music groups from your young days, from your high school days? Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this first. I love every type of music except country. Okay. No one hates me. No one hates me. Oh, no. I'm going to hate you. No one hates me. I know. <laughs> it's supposed to be the most popular song in the country. Don't do that to me. Don't give me country music. Unless it's old school, like Johnny Nash, Travis. Oh, yes. The yes. old school people. Yeah. I get it. Everything else. I Wichita lineman, Galveston. Yeah. Oh, give me some. I drive my people at work crazy because I play jazz all the time. They hate that. Do you really? I love it. But, mm. Oh, I turn up louder. I love it. At my wedding, I played a uh, yes. big band and like I love that stuff. I'm kind of an old soul with music. Uh huh. Um, I, I really kind of love everything, and I even sort of embrace. Sometimes some of the newer stuff. I love the beats. Uh, like my son uh-huh. introduced me to like EDM, electronic dance music. Okay. And okay. I'm like, oh boy, and he's like, Mom, can you turn the music down? <laughs> <laughs> I really love everything in country. But I guess I would say, growing up, I was a child of. Uh, I know it's it's not. I'm a child of the late '80s, early '90s. Um, so, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. gosh, it's gonna be really embarrassing. Um, yikes! Oh, I I do love space. Oh my um, gosh, girl, we are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. And let's see what else. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I guess back in the day, like fifteen-year-old me loved some new kids on the block. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody, you, you know, you're going wrong with her. I mean, I don't know, like, probably this vanilla ice. You know, I think, uh, uh, I know, yikes. Um, but, like, you know, growing up, you have this, like, really narrow view of music. You like what you're doing right. and everything. And I, right, right. You know, the internet days, I didn't have access to um you know, wide variety of music, and we didn't even have cable in my house, yeah. so I didn't, you know, I didn't have mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a large database to choose from, but now, like, I listen to anything, I'll give anything a chance, um, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really love jazz, I love big band, I mm-hmm. love swing, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. EDM, I love uh, rap, and, and, mm-hmm. and R&B, as long as it's not demeaning to women, and that's where I'll draw the line. Oh, um, that's good. Squadron one. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know. That's kind of where I am. That's good. I like that. I like that. Now, I, as Jen knows, I, I, my tastes kind of run the gamut. So, for example, uh, I could find myself enjoying uh, 
Love Songs by Anita Baker. Uh, and I can find myself just grooving to Mandolin Rain by Bruce Hornsby and the range. Uh, yeah. Hey, cool, cool, the Beatles. Cool. cool. <laughs> he talks about Bruce Hornsby and the range <laughs> a lot. Mandolin Rain I do. is like kind of go-to song. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. And, and, and well, it really is. And it's funny. Well, I don't know. It's funny. Sure. Is it for Virginia? I mean, like, I never it's saw. Well, yeah, okay. that's right. That's right. That's right. I well, you it, know, it is nostalgic. It is nostalgic. Yeah, it, it certainly is, Nancy. You're right. You're nostalgic. right. Well, you, yeah. well, you know, yeah. Bruce grew up in, I think, was it Williamsburg? And his brother went to University of Richmond. And I think Bruce went to UVA. Or at the verse. Bruce went to University of Richmond. Brother went to UVA. <clears throat> but when I hear it, it just brings me back to the 1970s. That's what it is. It's nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I have to tell you this this is funny because um I never Nancy, I'm like you, I never like country music. Ever. But there's something <laughs> now there, there I don't know if you can have I don't know if this is like a uh paradox, if you can have nostalgia for something you didn't have. But country music now to me, like modern country, not like I, mm. I love Johnny Cash, I love the old country, but modern mm-hmm. country music now it there's a it evokes a feeling of a past that I never like it evokes a feeling for a past that I did have, but I never in that past listened to country music. But there's something about mm-hmm. like family and life and like just kind of simplicity that the music that I like that speaks to that there's a nostalgia there that but I never listened to country music. So it, country is a new genre for me. But I will tell you, Nancy, you and I, I mean, when ACDC comes on, I mean, it stops. Life stops and we rock out. I mean, Thunderstruck, end of story. We're rocking you out. Know, you got you got to listen to some Sinatra, too. You got to listen to Yes, Frank. Yes. All right. Nancy's so there. No, he was hooked up with some shade. Also, he was also hooked up with shady people. There were some shady types. There were some shady types. Aren't we all? Okay, what's your favorite Frank Sinatra song, Nancy? Which song or songs do you really love? I mean, look, this is so played out. I'm almost driving myself crazy with it. (laughs) I mean, for real. My boys joke, and they're not wrong. When I Uh hear the song, I I will play it on repeat like nobody's business. I'll drive everybody insane. I'm the same way. I'm the same oh, way. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, but probably fly me to the moon. Oh yeah, that's I, good. I that's good. But I mean, I just I love it. But my dad bought me. Uh, my dad, he is like the strangest gift giver, and mm-hmm. he no longer can drive or go shopping. He's 85. He lives right. with me. I'm his caretaker. But um, like three, seven or eight years ago. His favorite thing to do, go to the thrift store, mm-hmm. buy things, read them as Christmas gifts. Right, right. You never knew what you're getting. It was pretty entertaining. And usually I would get things like, uh, I don't know, like a stuffed rooster. This is a thing I really got. Um, just weird stuff. But one year he actually gave me the uh, Frank Sinatra greatest hit. Oh, and really? I'm like, I'm like, I didn't know really anything about Sinatra but it my car mm-hmm. was like dude great and my kid at the time was like five and he was yeah. like mommy I love this is happy music 
Oh, and really? Like, that's nice. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. In the wee, um, in the wee small hours of the morning, I like Moonlight in Vermont. I like, uh, what's the other one? I did it my way. I like that one, too. Yeah. All good songs. So, Nancy, like, tell us a little bit more about you. I mean, you you told us a little bit. You know, you grew up poor. You even grew up in a foster home, if I heard you correctly, uh, for a, a while. Like, tell us where you got interested with that, with with your life. And then you you did the Twenty Three and Me, and you don't. I, you said that there that was another another story for maybe another day. But give us at least a little synopsis. Like, how did you come to be interested in ancestry? Like, give us your 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 background. Well. So growing up, my mother always um, would tell the story. I guess I would overhear her talking to friends or something. And then I would, I overheard it, little nosy Nancy heard it. And I would go to her and ask her from like a very young age, five, six. Um, and I found that she, not me, but she's the one that grew up in foster homes, multiple foster homes. Okay. Her mother had her at 16. Her mother had her at 16. Um, she was an alcoholic, uh, and so she didn't have a great upbringing. A lot of those foster homes were not mm-hmm. great. Um, but she let, I don't want to say let slip, because I'm like her, like there's no secrets. She never had secrets for open books. But I found out that I have three siblings, she mm. had three children, that she had to give up for adoption. Mm. Because if you rewind those times, there's no welfare. And she had no family support. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, given up. So, like, when 23andMe first came out, you know, I was a very early adopter. And I, I always wondered about my siblings. I tried to convince my mom at, like, when I was, like, 15 or 16, I finally got the guts to say, Mom, like, can you just find them? Like, don't you want to see? And she was like, I don't want to ruin their life. I don't know if they know they were adopted. So she mm-hmm. never would. Well, my mom's been passed away for 20 something years now she's you know been gone but I, it always weighed on my heart i'm a christian i pray um i prayed for them you know when i pray i pray for them i don't know them but i'm just like hope they had good lives like i heard my mom's story and i'm like god yeah. i hope like they didn't have yeah. that kind of life i got that was kind of my thing about twin 23 and me i was like maybe i'll find them like i just mm-hmm. that they're okay had a good life so that's what yeah. i joined um and I'll try to keep it brief, which is not something with these. Go for it. <laughs> uh, for real. For real. Uh, but interestingly enough, I did not have them on 23 me, but um, I did like 10 years ago. I got a letter in the mail. It was from social services. One of my sisters had opened up, well, tried to open the records, but you can't close adoptions. You can't. My mother would have been the only one that could, but she was passed on. And because I was the next of kin, he allowed me to open it. Anyway, long story short, three siblings. I know all of them now. I found them. We're in touch. It's fantastic. Oh, good. But that be why. That was my thing about getting on 23 and me. I was like, I need to know yeah. that they're okay. Like, they're my blood. Like, I want to know that they're right. Yeah. And like, yeah. so like, I found them and not like, I don't get on there anymore. But. I mean, I would get it again, like every two years I get on there, like, are there any other families <laughs> no one told me about? Like, I got any other, like, uh, siblings out there no one told me about? Or 
am I kin to some, again, weird serial killer, you know, <laughs> so that was my journey with 23 and me, you know, so that, that's kind of my, my deal. You know what's uh, funny? It's the same motivation I had, but mine was more on a macro level, whereas Nancy felt that um, <clears throat> that hunger to know more about her siblings. She knows they're out there, but she wanted to connect to them. I felt the same way about my Twyman roots. I knew that there were distant Twymans out there who were white, and I wanted to reach out to know who they were and how they were doing. And in some way, it felt like it made me feel more complete. I felt more more whole in a sense. Uh, yeah. So that was part of my motivation as well. Yeah. Just on a bit, or, or on a larger scale, Nancy, on a larger scale. So I totally you know, get Wink, that. Wink, let me ask you something, though. This is really interesting because you have that passion. And as we've already mentioned, like to find who we are beyond what we look like. Right. Uh, clearly, clearly people who are watching this instead of just listening to it will see that Nancy is a very blonde white woman. Can't you see the resemblance? Look, look, no, no, no. It's like the this nose, same, right? The eyes. Hey, <laughs> I'm a dark, I'm a dark brunette, but you know. Oh, okay, all right, all right. There so, you, well, go. I, I, you You look good as a blonde, Nancy. <laughs> but Wink, when when you shared with your family, your immediate family, mm -hmm. this uh, passion of yours and mm. this. You know, once you found that you, your history was literally and figuratively so colorful, yeah. what was their response? Oh, I think they were not enamored. Uh, I, I think they sort of uh, uh, amused me. Uh, I think that the, their sense was someone's not family unless you grew up together, unless you went to the summer home together. Unless you went to the barbecue or the picnic together, or cut the turkey at Thanksgiving dinner together, so their their view of family and their interest is very limited. It's very concrete. Uh, so I think they view my more cosmic passion as um, bemusing uh, or of little note. They don't have the same curiosity, if you will. I mean. I think they, case in point, I was once having a conversation with my son. I won't mention which son, but we were talking. And uh, I was showing him pictures of Oak Lawn in Albemarle County, Virginia, which was built in 1750. And my son said to me, well, you know, Dad, the only real Twymans are black Twymans. And I just thought that was very funny. I mean, on one level... Well, that shows some pride in, 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 in our family roots, dating back to Twyman Road. But on the other hand, in the United States of America, half of the Twymans are black and half are white. What better platform for understanding, right, in terms of creating a greater sense of family? And the first Twyman was an Englishman, an indentured servant teenager from Kent, England. So it's kind of ironic that in the year 2020, my son would say, well, the only real Twymans are black Twymans. Because on the one hand, like I say, it's, it's a reflection of the strong sense of self my parents and grandparents created on Twyman Road. But it also is kind of myopic because there's a larger world of Twymans out there that I readily accept as, uh, like him, part of me, part of me, right? I've always 
Jen, I've always thought it was very strange. And you know, you and I have talked about this. <clears throat> I have I have family members who are half European in ancestry, seventy five percent European in ancestry, and yet they never acknowledge or think of the the white part of their ancestry. It's like it doesn't exist. It's like in a Stalinist regime where you airbrush out opponents of the uh, of, of the regime. I mean, I think a lot of Black American families airbrush out those parts of their genetic family. And I think it's to their loss. I think it creates a hole, if you will. It, it creates a sense that this is what it means to be if you are a Black American, and it can never be more expansive than that. And I just think that is so, um, I think it's so limiting. I think it's so myopic. I think it is so constraining. I think it denies people the fullness of the universe in terms of your ancestors and where you come from. I mean, Nancy, you may or may not know this, but through 23andMe and Ancestry, I discovered all kinds of blood kin, not just white Twimans, but um, George Washington, second cousin, seven times removed. Um, Robert E. Lee, fourth cousin, four times removed. What do you make of that? I'm not sure because I'm still working through the answers with Jen in our book, but I just think that knowledge and understanding makes me a deeper, richer person in my self-conception than if I only think of myself as a descendant of black slaves and nothing else. I think that's just more of a box and that the reality is the universe is fuller than that. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So I like it jazz, Nancy. I enjoy reaching out and meeting all kinds of folks in the world. That's just, that's my MO. Uh, that's my brand, wink. <laughs> so I, I love to do that. I love to do that. But Jen raises a good point. I mean, what? how do you, if you have two different ways of viewing one's genetic self, how do you bring those two different ways of viewing one's genetic self into a unified whole? I don't really have an answer. Uh, I think we're working through that. Uh, but I think conversations like this are a great start, right? Because I think if more people see that people with love and joy and laughter and smiles embrace their uh, their cousins, that may look a little different. They may have different musical taste. Who knows? But if you can see people embracing people across the color line, that's all to the good. All to the good. I, I just, I won't live to see it. But I think in a hundred years, these issues won't be a big deal. I think people will advance to the level where they will only embrace all of their past. You know what I mean? That's what I think. So I think that Nancy and I are like, we're the avant-garde. We're the vanguard. We're the Galileos of a better way of being in the world. So and so that's why this podcast gives me such joy and pleasure. Because I feel like we're speaking not for today. We're speaking to be a better model for our children's children. Yeah, and Nancy, gosh, it is so, it's so fun to be, I feel like I'm a uh, an interloper, if you will, in Wink's life, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've had my own, and we'll, we'll have podcasts with, with, with my distant cousins, too, who are across the color line, but, I mean, just to be witness and just to see these conversations that aren't the conversations that are making it into our normal daily life. You know, everything's got to be literally, literally, and again, figuratively, black or white. This is yeah. like, this is, a, this is a new way to be in the world. 
Mm-hmm. I think Don't so. you think, Wayne? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm so glad you finally checked your 23andMe, Nancy. Right. When I got that initial message um, from him, I got messages from so many people on there, and they were usually exactly like, right, um, right. Here are right. my surnames. Are you related yeah. to these people? And there were so many, like yeah. fifty, you know, and and it was so much. Oh, yeah. it was overwhelming. But Winks, yours right. was definitely the most interesting and gave me more info but i mean just my life was so busy and you know oh, yeah. i responded back and I, I probably intended like it was very very interesting to me but i think just mm. life got in the way and exactly um, right, what happened. right yeah yeah but um you know like when it comes to race like i dealt with this like i grew up in like the poor white part of town and mm-hmm. like I always had to hear like some racist comments from people mm-hmm. and it always hurt my soul. My mother, like a human is a human is a human. No one is lesser than anyone. Mm-hmm. And it always hurt. Right. When I would hear people, you know, cut yeah. somebody down for like their skin color. And even to like, I don't care, skin color, gender, race, uh, sexual orientation, whatever. A human is a human is a human. Please treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody deserves respect and love. And, right. you know, I remember thinking as like maybe 18 year old me, I remember thinking like this world would just be a better place if all the races just mixed and we were just one big soup of everything. I know that's mm-hmm. a weird thought, 18 year old me, but I thought, you know, then maybe everybody can stop hating each other, right? Yeah. But yeah. now, but, you know, I mean, you know, just thought. But, you know, I really have an interest in anthropology, and I love oh. uh, learning about cultures, and uh-huh. um, I just, I love, like, we have a local festival here. Um, every year, it's my favorite. It's local colors. You go, it's all the different cultures, and you learn about, like, yeah, the yeah. performances and the food and everything, and I, like, I mm-hmm. so love learning about that, and I think that's kind of what's wrong a lot with, a lot of the hatred is, like, People are afraid of what they don't understand, so then they express support <gasps> mm. or yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and I, I like that. So if if yeah. I do one thing on this planet, you know, I have two boys. If I do one thing on this planet, if I, you know, impart to them to not hate on what you don't know, be yes. open minded. Yes. Be open-minded. Like, if you don't understand it, you've never been around it, don't hate on yeah. it. Ask questions about it. Ask like, questions. Sure. Yes. 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 One of my sons, one of my sons, okay, look, I told you I don't know how to keep it short, but I'm going to keep this one short. <laughs> one of my sons, at 15-year-old him, brought, look, brought home this kid. He was um, in our house for, like, two, three years, okay? Sweetheart mm-hmm. of a boy, had a lot of anxiety, didn't talk a lot. Turns out, I learned out, I learned like three years later, um, this person was transgender, born a girl. Oh. I didn't didn't know. I didn't know. I thought this person was born a boy and was gay. I asked my son, is is this person gay? Um, My son was very mad at me for asking that question. I said, I don't Mm. care. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. This person speaks like a girl. I don't care. I'm just curious. 
it's no hatred. But anyway, yeah. so it's and I'm so glad to have met uh, this person born a girl, trans to a boy, has trans back to a girl. I don't care. I like my that same son. I love this phrase. He taught me something. And and by the way, this is my boy. I think I told you on an email. He has Asperger's, so he has a hard time with like facial ex, you know, understanding uh, sure. social cues and facial expressions. And such. But this is something this boy taught me. He said, when it comes to people like uh, judging people for like race, skin color, religion, right? If you trans, whatever. He goes, you know what, mom? He goes, what I like to tell people is, show me on the doll where that hurt you. <laughs> come on come on like just because someone's a different race a different gender a different whatever sure sure if it's not hurting you mind your business unless Mm -hmm. it's all whether i do live by the golden rule believe jesus yes he he that look my boy jesus he uh like intermingled (laughs) with the prostitutes and all that right we would all do good to do that Amen. Amen, Nancy. Well said. Well said, Nancy. Well said. So Nancy, yeah, what's 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 so so what's the meaning of this happening today? Like do you think we will succeed in bringing more love and joy into the world with this conversation? Well, you know, gosh, I think that even if this has uh meaning for one person, if it if it changes one heart, maybe that one heart can change two, and those two yeah. can change two, and that can explode because, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's something my mother, again, imparted on me, like, I know it's cliche to say, be the change you want to see in this world, but it's true, like, just, like, go up to somebody that, I don't know, when you're going through the Hardee's drive through Burger King drive through you get your food, and those people are overworked, and they're, you know, making minimum wage, right. like, Skip your Starbucks the next morning and give them a five dollar bill and be like, I love you and God you loves go. you. That's what I'm trying to do. That's literally my mother's words. She legit mm-hmm. did that. And it embarrassed me so much as a kid. But mm. I see what she's doing now. And it's so powerful. And I think you can show love. Yeah. To other people. Like look past what you see here. Look past look past that. I mean, mm-hmm. how many are perfect. How many of us haven't done something shady? True. You know, I'm embarrassed. I mean, I'm embarrassed and angered that I have a relative that owns slaves, but like again, like and I'm not equating this to that, but like how many of us haven't done something shady? And so, mm. if you remember that yourself, look at this person over here that you know, looks like they're yeah. panhandling, but they're not really a panhandler. Like, how about you just show some love? Because you don't know what people are going through. Everybody's going through something. And again, look, I well, think that's you know, true. I don't know how to keep it But, but <laughs> I think I, I told you. Um, but I think if you really like, if you can affect one person, mm-hmm. I think that matters. And I know in my life, there have been people like that did little tiny things that they don't even know. Mm. how that lifted me up and motivated me to be a better person. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. I, I think, you know, again, I don't know how many listeners you have, but 
if we can reach one person, I think it's valuable. I think. Well, and you know what? I'm I'm laughing because I I from what I just heard you say, Nancy. I think I would sum it up by saying shady doesn't have a color, and love doesn't have a color either. Yep. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will. Um, it's been such a pleasure. I'll let us. I'll let us end on on that. It's been. I hope that we have Nancy. You're awesome, and this she has is. been so much fun. I <laughs> hope that we get to have this I'll conversation listen. again, and we'll send you the book so that you can like give us your feedback, and maybe after you read a little bit more, we can like touch because again, you make a debut. And that's the, right. The that's book. right. Even that's though right. you don't even.